it's honestly the only job that I ever really wanted. I love costumes. I love crazy, like the crazier, the more complex and intricate and sparkly, the better. That's that's all I wanted to do was make costumes. Hello, I'm Poonam and welcome to Crew Chat's podcast where I speak to the people that work behind the scenes in the film, TV and theatre industries. Today's guest is Flo Foxworthy. Flo has only ever wanted one job and that's to make costumes. After leaving high school at the age of 16, her first job was working at a leather company. From there, going on to work at places such as the Royal New Zealand Ballet, costumes for ballet dancers such as the likes of Dita Von Teese to currently working at the world famous Weta Workshop where Flo is head of their soft costumes and textile department. Flo has worked on the likes of the Hobbit trilogy, Ghost in the Shell, Krampus and Avatar to name a few. And just a note, we speak about Covid and the situation referred to was at the case at the time of recording. Hi Flo. Hello, how are you? I'm good thank you, how are you? I'm really good, thanks. thanks. Uh, thank you for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate you coming on as a guest. Oh, no, I've been really looking forward to it. And likewise here as well. Um, so I'll start off with my first question. Now, you're head of soft costumes, at, soft costumes and textiles at the Weta Workshop, which is based in New Zealand. Now, what does that involve for you? Well, my job is it's like a combination of a workroom supervisor, costume supervisor, mom um <laughs> all sorts of things <laughs> so i have a team uh, of creatives who cover quite a wide range of different disciplines uh everything from uh, machinists or stitches uh pattern cutters uh, weavers dyers uh like the team changes a lot depending on the job but but we have a core group of people who i've been working with for quite a long time and yeah they just do a little bit of everything and they're really amazing so when a job comes in i look after the quoting and uh liaise with the different department heads across you know the rest of the workshops so props paint department all that sort of thing and uh art direct the team a little bit but just basically make sure that a project runs along smoothly and that my team have everything they need yeah thank <laughs> you um now Actually, before I go into Weta Workshop, I was just wanted to ask, what is the difference between soft costume and costume? Uh, how would you differentiate? Yeah, well, we have, at Weta Workshop, we have two costume departments, which is pretty cool, actually. Mm. We have uh, soft costume, my team, and we have uh, the basically the costume props team. Uh, so costume props, of course, covers things like armour, jewellery, um, anything that's part of a costume that isn't basically sewn on a sewing machine, really. Yeah. Uh, they do some really amazing leather work. They put together the rigging. So basically what's what goes inside uh, a heavy costume. Uh, so the soft costume department, uh, my team, we look after anything that's, that's uh, fabric-based. So the garments that would go underneath the armor or the, the superhero suits or the, the bases for uh, silicon prosthetic costume components, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's, it's a good split of the different, um, different parts that go into creating a full costume. Ah, and um, like I mentioned earlier that you work at the Weta Workshop now, um, I mean, I've heard of it and I've heard it in, re in relation to Lord of the Rings, which I pro is a yeah. massive sweeping <laughs> stereotype to make because I'm sure you guys, I know you guys make loads more than that. But what is, if you could just briefly um, explain what the Weta Workshop is and yeah. Yeah, yeah, we, we're quite lucky actually. We have uh, a huge 
number of departments under the one roof. So we do everything from concept design, working directly with uh, costume designers or art department or directors to design how a film or a costume is going to look. And then it goes through to, um, we have, again, the two different costume departments. We have a paint department, we have molding and casting. Uh, we have prosthetics team, we have a hair department, we have a, a bit of everything. Yeah, it's we're really lucky having everything under the one roof because you can really get in and collaborate with, with the other teams. Yeah, that is really yeah. cool. And actually, uh, do you find that it creates a different environment from where you say if you're working, I don't know, kind of just in a costume department in a random building somewhere, which is the case now for me, but I'm <laughs> sure a lot of people out there. Do you find that is that it creates a different atmosphere in terms of work, like the kind of work that you're producing, do you think? I think it really does. I think it does. And it broadens your your scope. It broadens the 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 range of things that you have access to, the way that you could put a costume together. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're just sort of siloed away as as one department in your own building it's it's fine because that's how the majority of the the industry works mm. but for me it means that if i need a component for a costume let's say some sort of a, a high-tech looking buckle or or a, a something to slide some webbing through you know something as simple as that i can just go to our 3d department have someone there model something for me so we have exactly what the designer is looking for we can 3d print it we can model make it we can mold it cast it paint it it's it's all right there and it really gives you space to think laterally about how to go about putting costumes together in a a much more custom way than having to use just purchased off-the-shelf components yeah i guess that's also what makes you guys unique as well in that way that you can yeah yeah you're really lucky yeah Yeah, it's pretty cool and you guys I mean you guys also don't it's not just limited to just what I'm thinking of which is tv and what film in my case is what I'm thinking of but you guys do loads more than that don't you it's kind of figurines and stuff like that yeah yeah we do we've got a a big say consumer products department so they basically look after yeah um, collectible figures uh and they go from quite high ends, you know, multiple thousands of dollars for a single collectible that's about a meter or a yard high, <laughs> all the way down to cute li- little sort of five centimeter or two inch figures that you put on your desk at work, you know. <laughs> and they do it for a number of different different projects and companies and films. And there's just some really cool art that's coming out of that team. And another one that people might not realize we have is uh, a, an entire department dedicated to um, location-based entertainment. So things like exhibitions. Yeah, yeah. There's some really amazing stuff happening in that area as well. That is really cool, though. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sense. That is very cool. Um, now, how do you start when uh, does it? Because I know, obviously, as a you don't necessarily, it's not only just um, a product. You're not necessarily covering a whole production. You also do parts of production costume designs in your in your case would be costumes so you might yeah. be doing one character for a film it may not be but also there may be, may be occasions where you're making a series or doing all the costumes how does it work mm. when you get approached by a, a production company or a designer yeah I think that's the that's one of my favorite parts of the process really uh and and you're right often we will only do one costume or a couple of costumes out of an entire production uh, and I don't think people really think about that they don't realize that 
one place doesn't make everything in one film. Yeah, it's it's quite an interesting part of the job. So usually, whether it's us approaching the client or if the client is approaching us, which is what happens more often, um, we start out by talking with the designer, the costume designer uh, or the production designer, and uh, taking their concept art, which sometimes it'll come to us as fully formed piece of concept art and they know exactly what it is that they want. Maybe it's been um, it's been created by their own team. Uh, and other times they'll come to us and enlist our design department, our concept art team to flesh out an idea. And which I actually love because it means that we can make sure that the, the artwork is something that we can physically build or that a person can physically wear. <laughs> Which doesn't happen as often as you might think. <laughs> no piece of armour where they can actually raise their arms. Yeah. <laughs> um, just in relation to actually what you've just said then, in that situation where, like you say, if, if, uh, if you're kind of approaching the whole thing from sort of design to then construction, you have, because of your experience and your team's experience, you can inform how that's then designed. In the cases where a designer has approached you and they've come to you with a design and you're trying to work through the more practical aspects of a costume where it may be, I'm going to use superheroes as an example because for me it's probably the more, more of the ones that are very um, complex in terms of how they should fit and maybe the more practical things of being able to go to the toilet and things like that kind yeah. of come into play. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> how, how do you navigate those conversations without without necessarily compromising their vision and design? All we can do really is, is um sort of draw on experience and and use up his judgment now sometimes uh, a designer or a director will have a very specific idea about how something needs to look and we just need to try and make that work mm. other times they can be quite open to um, changing small aspects to make the costume more functional which is which is always really great there's a lot that goes into the wearability of a costume that, mm. that people just don't always realize uh, that they can be quite complex. And like you say, just, just being able to go to the bathroom, go to the toilet is so important <laughs> in a costume. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it can often be one of the hardest things to integrate, especially in something that's, that's tightly, like very close fitting or quite technical looking. A lot of the time, um, nobody wants to see zips or fastenings in a in a costume. You want to just imagine that it's 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 a seamless, perfect, <laughs> perfect yeah. outer skin. layer of skin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I think I think you're right. It's quite. I guess those those kinds of uh, challenges. I guess you, well, like you said, it's your experience that comes into it. And actually, talking of challenges, what do you find are the biggest challenges of your job? I, I think that is that really is it's it's just trying to to um, gently get that point across that that some things aren't physically possible <laughs> you know a, a suit a, a pair of trousers can only move so far before you'll have a couple of wrinkles across the front you know or or if somebody needs to be moving and kicking and running and flying or whatever it is, then you might see some, some creasing in the fabric around the armpits, that sort of thing. And, and so we just try and navigate that as much as we can at the beginning. It's not always possible, 
but you do what you can and often it means that you have to get creative and get really inventive with how you construct the garment how you cut the pattern just in order to give the director what it is that they have in mind or the designer yeah talking of getting creative with costumes what has been your most challenging slash proud of costume that you've made or been a part of that a team that has made it's a tough one there are so many and i think my favorite or my opinion on that changes nearly every day (laughs) (laughs) but one that was was really awesome for us as a team was uh for ghost and michelle we made the thermoptic suit for scarlett johansson to wear and it really involved nearly every department in the workshop which was really cool um we essentially made a skillet a, a second skin from uh, silicon enmeshed in fabric and it was drafted and created in a traditional way so i created a flat pattern to base the suit on but then that pattern ended up going to our our um, 3d modeling team and they turned my flat patterns with all of the the tech lines just drawn in and scribbled out and and redrawn and you know my pattern looked like a piece of like a frankenstein kind of pattern <laughs> <laughs> by the end there because there was just so much going on with it gave it to our 3d team and they um, milled it into acrylic molds so three-dimensional molds of each pattern piece which then went to our prosthetics department they poured it in in silicon tinted silicon they're amazing absolutely awesome team and then they would come back to us again and we would glue the 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 suit together so instead of stitching it has to be glued together and it was it was really cool it was a really awesome process that was a really good example of how a sleeve is not just a a straight tube you know a sleeve has shape to it if you want it to fit around an arm beautifully with with as little wrinkling and bumps and and that sort of thing as possible then you know so finding out how to shape the sleeve and translate that to a silicon pattern was was interesting it was really along the same lines as working with spandex which is one of my favorite materials to work with weirdly (laughs) it was a really cool project yeah (laughs) Um, how did you get into what you do it's it's honestly the only job that I ever really wanted Um, I learned I started learning to sew when I was very young like maybe six seven ish Um, my mum taught me how to sew with a needle and thread and and I pretty pretty quickly I graduated to using her sewing machine uh, making little dolls clothes that sort of thing and as a kid in the 80s, yes, the 80s, um, <laughs> I, I, I thought that the only job in that area was a fashion designer. So I was going to be a fashion designer. Uh, and my mom used to go along to the local dressmaker and to have some some clothes made. And I would go with her and I'd want to show her my, my pictures. Oh, like, look, look at the, I love the that. dresses that I drew, you know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, but I saw it soon kind of clicked that I just I wasn't interested in fashion at all I'm I'm just not but I love costumes I love crazy like the crazier the more complex and intricate and sparkly the better that's it just that's all I wanted to do was make costumes I don't want to be a costume designer I'm not a designer at all I just want to make them (laughs) and now I just facilitate the making of them yeah (laughs) 
but I, I didn't go to school for uh, costume making. I left school, left high school when I was 16 and went out and got my first uh, full-time job working at a leather company. So making bags, belts, that sort of thing. When I was about 15 or 14, 15, I had picked up my mum's pattern drafting book and, and started teaching myself how to draft from that. And that was just, I fell in love with it. I love Finally, there was a reason for using math, you know, and and I just love pattern drafting. <laughs> it's wow. one of my favorite, favorite parts of the job. Yeah, just flat, flat pattern drafting in particular. So drafting with a pencil on paper, um, using rulers and, and measurements and <laughs> calculations. <laughs> that is pretty cool, though. It's like a, it's a science. It is. it is a science it's, it's not like so a science it is a science fun. it's like working out a big puzzle yeah i love it um so from there when i was uh 18 i got my first job with the royal new zealand ballet as a machinist so well that's what we call a, a stitcher i think it's a stitcher in the states um and it just kind of went from there i started making costumes for the local strippers because uh, that's a great way to own your skills you know <laughs> and here in, in wellington in those days the, there wasn't a lot you know it was the early 90s we're a tiny little country at the bottom of the world if i wanted to make fancy costumes then then that's how i was going to do it yeah. yeah i think it's a great way to start <laughs> and you actually had a massive career like you made amazing costume burlesque costumes for some amazing mm, burlesque yeah. performers as well yeah yeah like Dita Von no, Teese I mean that's the famous one that I'm gonna say that I know I don't know many burlesque or names of burlesque dancers in fairness <laughs> but everyone sort of knows her I guess but <laughs> yeah oh I mean she's just been absolutely incredible yeah her costumes are just mind-blowing I love them so when I had the chance and she approached me to make some undergarments that, that was just so great it was it was really awesome yeah That's amazing yeah so i i did burlesque costuming for probably around oh gosh it must be almost 15 years um i only recently well recently the last sort of year or two i closed my workroom down just to focus on film uh but till then i was yeah doing a lot of costumes for some of the the more notorious burlesque performers around the world which was really really cool i loved it it was just living out my childhood dreams of making super sparkly beautiful luxurious looking costumes for pretty ladies you know yeah <laughs> i really loved a bit of corsetry lots of feathers and crystals and beads and colors it was it was just so wonderful yeah it's really cool and actually your experience has been quite varied from working with leather then working as a machinist and then working also making costumes burlesque or um dancers how has that um informed what you um do now in your working life oh a lot a lot absolutely i think working with the strippers all that time ago really gave me a good grounding for how to deal with different types of people and doing fittings that comes in really really handy when i'm doing fittings with clients you know just being comfortable getting up close and personal with a person um because you know a lot of times in costume fittings you really are like you there's not a lot between you and that person mm. it's 
particularly not a lot of clothing, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so the the more relaxed that I feel, and just the the easier the situation is, I think the more relaxed that the person is going to feel who's who are, is there having the costume fit on them. But one of the most valuable working experiences I had was I must have been about nineteen, I think, and I worked for a a baby buggy or baby stroller company sewing the seats. So it was just me and a couple of older ladies and we just spend all day every day sewing these these seats for the strollers on industrial machines. And it was such good experience. It, it really upped my skill level, gets you really comfortable with the the speed and the the accuracy of of factory work which is hugely important and i think that's really missing from the uh experience that that students have when they graduate from say design school or or some sort of technical school mm. uh, they don't often have the chance to really experience that environment where you're just doing piecework is the same thing again and again and again and again and it's really valuable skill yeah yeah I, th- I I agree with you actually honing in your skill like that and actually it sounds really repetitive but you become great at something because you yeah. have the time to really focus on it that's really true yeah it's it's yeah. not exciting it's not glamorous but it's really good experience if you want to be involved in in sewing for example for as a career yeah um and I'm going to mention COVID because it's un, not <laughs> unmentionable. It's not unmentionable right now. Um, it's had such an impact. It's yeah. such a massive impact. But for you guys, as an as an industry on on quite like you said, it's a, New Zealand is quite a small country, and it's, it's done quite well with managing um, COVID. And it's yeah. kind of I think got on back to some degree, quite a large degree of normality. Yeah. Um, yeah. How has it been, and how has it impacted um, you guys? Yeah, it's it's been so interesting. We were really lucky. Our government jumped on board and and did put us into lockdown quite early. But because of that, we've we've managed to navigate ourselves around what's happened to the rest of the world. So it is pretty much back to business as usual here. We went into I think at the beginning we maybe had six weeks of lockdown for the country. And then there's just been a couple of smaller lockdowns for certain areas since then. But other than that, you know, it's it's been pretty good, which means that our industry has been able to keep going. So we're still making films, we're still making TV, we're still making costumes and props and for productions all around the world. And yeah, we're just really lucky, really lucky. But I think one good thing that came out of that whole COVID situation and it's 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 probably just going to get better and better is normalizing wearing masks uh, I, I think that's a good thing I think it's a good thing if you're you know if you have the sniffles or if you're not feeling well just just that normalizing of wearing a mask in your everyday life is is a good thing it's just respect for other people you know yeah yeah you notice that working in Asia and and other countries over there with it's just part of everyday life for them 
I think it's a great thing yeah and actually how have you found it because obviously you do um work on productions you're working on things for productions all over the world yeah. how has that been because obviously it may not be the easiest thing to get on a plane and fly to say the UK no. America or wherever <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to um I mean I know like the likes of Zoom and FaceTime I'm sure can take the places of conversations but when it comes to more practical things like fittings and mm. um kind of design discussions how has that been because we are where we are you know this teeny little country right down the bottom of the world we've often had to do things long distance anyway so we we do work via zoom a lot uh but but more so now um particularly for fittings it used to be the the some of us would travel for fittings for for major costumes you know to wherever the the production was in the world but now it'll yeah it all has to be done via zoom which which isn't ideal but it's better than nothing uh <laughs> if we're lucky there's there's somebody in that area whether it's in the states or in the uk or or wherever the production is that we can call on to go and be present for a fitting to sort of act as a proxy but that's pretty complicated now with everyone needing testing and mm. and you know bubbles that sort of thing sometimes now it's just down to the costume designer and the actor doing the fitting themselves <laughs> and while, while we sit on the sidelines and and just try and help them along as much as we can but that's the world we're in now it's different but i hope at some point you can return to kind of more what it was before. Yeah, but even <laughs> sure. even over here, we do need to be really careful because yeah, we don't want we don't want COVID to affect the productions that we have going on here. So, you know, even even here where it's it's not as big a risk, we're still pretty careful. If you have to do a fitting with someone, you know, you've got to be taking the appropriate uh, precautions. Yeah. No, of course. Um, now the your role at the moment now is largely maybe more of a logistical um, mm. role rather than a creative practical role. How have you found that transition into that world? Considering you are, you, to me, you come across as very passionate about um, making <laughs> and like you oh, said, yeah. the pattern cutting, <laughs> the creative aspect of it. How has it been moving into that um, more logistical office role as it were? Do you miss I, the creative or do you yeah, still get involved I, in the creative stuff? <laughs> I get, I get a bit. I, I, I get to, to do a little bit here and there, but usually I'm being called away to meetings or having to do some sort of admin. So I don't really get as much of a chance to be hands on anymore, but I kind of like it. I really like where the role is gone um, because of, you know, I've spent more than 25 years now making costumes and my hands are, are in such bad shape that I physically can't do a lot of the the physical work anymore at all you know mm. arthritis all that sort of thing carpal tunnel you name it oh. I've, I've got it oh, no. <laughs> so, um being at a computer is is actually kind of good <laughs> <laughs> gives your fingers a bit of a rest <laughs> that's it <laughs> but no I, I i really enjoy it problem solving was always one of my favorite parts of being a pen cutter so now I just get to problem solve on a sort of a higher level, which is pretty cool. Um, I love doing whatever I can to help the team achieve the goal. That's that's really fun for me now. No, I, I don't miss having a fully creative job as much as I thought I would. Yeah. Ah, yeah. That's interesting. But do you um, have other sort of creative things going on in your life which still stimulate that kind of 
Yeah, I do. I love weaving. So weaving is something that I do most most evenings sitting in front of the TV. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that is pretty cool. Um, it's nice that you can still keep like then it changes the way you feel about that thing that you're doing, I guess, as well. It's yeah. more sort of like a, yeah. a side passion project, I guess, than it is. That's right. That's right. I will never, never try and turn that into a, a job. <laughs> I've made that mistake in the past. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I think there's this kind of, I mean, this is going off tangent, but there's this whole thing of commodifying um, kind of skills that you have, which is great, obviously, like the ability to make money out of something that you love to do. I think, I think that's yeah. great. And I think we probably do that Absolutely. in our jobs generally, but I think there's sometimes when you just enjoy making something, there's something nice just being able to just, just do that and not have any pressure yeah. attached to it. There's no um, stress of, mm. of a client, you know, I just, the, because the physical making of something for a client is so stressful sometimes. Mm. And that was one of the reasons why I stepped away from burlesque costuming, uh, because it had become so big and it, it was a full-time job. I had two full-time jobs. Mm. By day, I'd be at, at the workshop working on film. And then after work and weekends, I would be at my studio making costumes for clients overseas um, and and the stress of that was too much for me I, and I was getting pretty burnt out you know particularly when you're making something for a person who's not physically there in front of you you can't try things on you've got to go by measurements that they may have taken themselves or someone else has taken and they just I mean anyone who's worked with costumes or with measurements knows that they can be a little dodgy at, at yeah. the best of times. Subjective, yeah. <laughs> exactly, very subjective. <laughs> and so that stress of the time between packaging up a costume and sending it across the world to the client and them trying it on was just so stressful, mm -hmm. especially when things didn't work. Like it's sometimes bodies change, ideas and um, expectations aren't always reasonable or um, realistic. And, and it was, it was a lot. Yeah, I don't know I, where I was going with that. No, no, I know. I agree. No, no, no. I know what you mean, though, because it's it's, this, it's I think it happens a lot with creative things. I don't know. It comes back to what you were saying is is the ability to still have something creative in your life. and it, There'd be no pressure attached to it is amazing. None at all. Yeah. Because it's just yeah. for yourself. And I think yeah. um, especially working in a creative industry, although it is, I mean, both I think you'd, I, you would also agree. It's great that you have the ability to be creative in your day job yeah. and love what you do. But it comes it, it's a different feeling when it's something that it's just there that you can pick up and put down whenever you want yeah, and it's, it's true you know, there's it's no true. waiting on it giving yeah. you pressure about it so <laughs> it's, a nice thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a nice thing for you because yeah, I'm sure really actually exactly and I'm sure sometimes um even if you you know as much as you love your job that sometimes that other pressure can make you sort of not dislike your job but can take away that joy that you initially that buzz that you initially mm -hmm. had for it right and I think yeah, like you say having yeah. that side thing just reconnects you to your creativity but <laughs> it does it does it allows you to explore other ideas that you like for me particularly it's it's exploring techniques and materials and just ideas that I won't have a chance to explore in my creative work life yeah mm -hmm. so that's been been really cool yeah yeah I think that's really cool um now what surprises you about your job <laughs> <laughs> I, it's such a hard one but I think 
the main thing that surprises me and it's on a daily basis is that people can still come up with new ideas it's it's crazy when i look particularly at my team um and and a group of us have been working on um a specific project for a number of years now like it's yeah. it's a really long-term project and the ideas, the the new things that they still manage to do and create and come up with every day just blows my mind, you know. Um, it's one of those jobs where I just can't wait for the world to see what this team of creative people are doing, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's a long one, yeah. And and it's the same with concept art, like with every, every team. Um, when I look around and just see that, every day people are taking something that they've learned or an idea and just they keep expanding on it and expanding and getting better and still come up with new ideas it just it's amazing you know even when it comes to something as simple as designing a military costume or the way um, someone textures a piece of leather or paints a monster you know yeah. <laughs> people can still turn that creativity on and give you something that you haven't seen before just is magic to me i think that's really cool i think that's really cool as well um actually kind of in relation to that though if you had to pick any other department to go into and try out <laughs> which one would it be that is so hard sorry <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness um mm, well definitely not 3d because i really can't use that software uh, <laughs> I'm sure you could. I'm sure you could. <laughs> My hands are too shaky to, to work in the paint department. Hmm. You know what? It would probably be something more in the the mold making department, which doesn't sound very glamorous at all. But I like the skill and the technical aspects involved in that. Wow, I never really thought about that. <laughs> that's something that's an art in itself. It's something that's really underappreciated, I think. Yeah, yeah. No one thinks about mold making. Right? <laughs> no, there is a real yeah. skill to it. There is a real There is, skill. there is. Some people are really good at it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, in the end, if a mold works, it works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no matter how many air bubbles there are. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but that's pretty, that's, I, I like, that's an interesting one because it's not the most, like you say, it's not the most obvious department no. that you'd think of. So my penultimate question actually is, what do you most, I mean, you kind of have sort of touched upon this throughout our conversation, but what, do you most enjoy about your job? Oh, absolutely the problem solving. That's that's 100% it for me. I think that's almost, the, to me, that's the definition of creativity is just problem solving. It doesn't matter if it's trying to decide how to draft a pattern for a piece of clothing or how we're going to incorporate three different types of materials into one that all need to look exactly the same. Um, or even just how we bring all of these different elements of a costume together in that one final look. You know, I love the problem solving. Timelines, you know, working out how we're going to manage to get a project through the department smoothly uh, and, and ensure that everybody has enough time to do their part before it goes to the next person, excuse me, the next person, you know. The strategy, I love that. I really love that part of it. How do you work that out? I know it's a very obscure question to ask, but <laughs> I find, I mean, it's different for the department working, but I feel like for something maybe more fabrication creatures and that 
kind of the world that you sit in in that cross, cross mm. collaborative there's so many different layers that almost go into one um whether yeah. it be finishing or mold like you say the molding the finishing there's all the and then you guys also putting the costume together there's so many different mm. levels that how do you work out how long yeah. everyone's going to take in the process behind it I think everyone who, everyone would come at it from a different different perspective. But for me, I try to look at the deadline and then work backwards from there. You know, trying to allow time for uh, fittings, for alterations, for just the time a costume is going to take to travel from New Zealand to wherever it needs to be. And just, I, I split it out according to the different part of each step of the construction process. So pattern cutting, um, twirls, fittings, construction, paint, finishing, everything. And I just try and, and work backwards from there. And it's great when you just have one costume to make, but when you have three different costumes and they all require things from different parts of the workshop, you know, it's it gets pretty complex. And because I like to ensure that everybody has enough work to keep going with in order to keep the machine rolling along, it, it can take a while. It's not just a matter of listing the steps and giving that list to the team. You know, sometimes one only one person can do certain aspects of a costume, but in order to do that part, they need the everybody before them to have been able to do their parts and their steps in the correct amount of time and the correct order in order. Yeah, it, it really is. I end up with pieces of paper that just look like an absolute maze you know, with lines <laughs> connecting everything until it finally works. Yeah. It's <laughs> oh, really interesting. I find that really fascinating. It's, it's, kind it's just a big puzzle. Yeah. Yeah, very complicated puzzle. <laughs> It's kind of similar to, I find like, it sounds a bit like scheduling. And then when I was talking to someone about scheduling. It is, yeah. It's That's kind exactly of, it. It's, yeah. it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating though. It's, um, and I'm, I'm guessing it always goes kind of to, I mean, there's always curveballs thrown in there, but I imagine on the whole. Oh, a lot of curveballs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> things always get made. So, um, and That's they end right. up where they're That's supposed right. to, um, <laughs> And that's a big part of our job. And you guys must have the same thing, you know, is just rolling with the punches mm. because things will always change. Designers will change their mind. Directors will change their mind. Um, situations and schedules will change. Um, scripts will change. There have been times when we'll, we will have made components up to quite a, a very close to finish level and then things change. So yep. you've just got to be ready to chop it up and start again, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and not take things personally mm. because it's not our art. It's someone else's art that we're just helping to create. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. I think sometimes to just distance yourself from the um, mm. being not be too attached to what you're making, be attached, but not be too attached to what you're making. Okay? Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. There's got to be a love for it. But yeah you know in the end it's it's somebody else's decision yeah I think it's a good way to think about it um so that brings me on to my final question which is what are your three to watch recommendations oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so first up I have uh John Wick the John Wick movies but particularly number three uh and for me I just sat there watching it and the whole time all I could do was think about his suits I, and that's why I recommend it especially to people who are interested in film costuming because anyone who has worn a suit or you know looked up close at a suit knows that a regular dress suit a men's tailored suit 
really you can't do a lot in it you can barely even sit down in it (laughs) (laughs) I mean if it's well fitted and tight and looks really sexy then I I can guarantee that you're gonna have trouble even just raising your arms above you (laughs) (laughs) but in order for for the stunt guys in John the John Wick movies or any any film in order for them to do what they need to do and still look really good then those suits have to be so technically clever with hidden gussets and and using different types of fabric that have been um finished to look like a suit fabric or maybe he's got a a suit for kicking he's got a suit for running he's got a suit for falling down the stairs you know he's got a suit for (laughs) holding his arms in the air I, I like to use that as, as an example because once one garment, no matter what it is, it doesn't have to be a suit, it can be anything. One garment can't always do every range of motion and still mm. look really, really good at every point in that range of motion. If you want a, a superhero suit to look really, really sexy when he's standing there just posing like a like a hero, but also look really, really smooth and wrinkle free and not pulling in any weird places when he's got his arms up and he's about to fly, then, you know, maybe you're going to need two different suits (laughs) (laughs) because spandex fabric can only do so much. (laughs) It's not infinite. It's got a a point to where it, it can't stretch anymore. You can't make a suit. You can't just keep making a suit tighter in order to make it less wrinkly (laughs) it's more about the construction from from the beginning than um tightening everything up at the end yeah (laughs) i've never seen any of the john wick movies i will check them out though um what was your second recommendation uh, my second recommendation would be, it's a bit of a weird one for some people, but for me, it's just really close to my heart. And that is Female Trouble. It's a John Waters film. And I'm a massive, massive John Waters fan. Absolutely love him. And I saw Female Trouble when I was about 16, 17. And it was so crazy. And the costumes were just so bonkers that it, it made me realize that this was a real thing you know there were other people out there that liked this sort of thing enough that he was able to make a whole movie in fact not just one but so many films and it follows divine as um the in in her lead role uh going from a a child a bratty child through to a teenage delinquent and then a homicidal maniac and just the costumes are absolutely crazy i really loved that yeah (laughs) sounds fascinating it's so great uh what was your third one my third film is uh just the complete opposite of female trouble and that is wong kar wai's uh in the mood for love it's just visually one of the most beautiful things i've ever seen um so beautiful to look at the costumes particularly in that film just oh they're so beautiful i highly recommend if anyone loves pretty things just to watch that film yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
I think I have seen that film and it is quite it's very saturated the color isn't it of the film very 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 moody it just is just you feel completely wrapped up in it it's it's so beautiful uh I actually um I recently started you know weaving my little hobby on the side there I the costumes that the lead actress wears um throughout the film she has this wardrobe of the most beautiful gowns most beautiful trunks on and I started doing scarf weaving weaving panels inspired by the different costume changes in the film so I've started just dyeing up the warp for the weaving um inspired by the colors in her costumes it's been really fun really interesting I've only just started but oh there's just so many beautiful beautiful looks in that film yeah Wow, that's amazing. Um, I'd like to, I'm curious to see how your weave yeah. comes out, actually. I'd be really interested to see. Yeah, for sure. I'd be really interested. Thank you for your recommendations, Flo, and thank you for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed speaking oh, to you. Oh, thank you. It's so fun to talk to you. Yeah, likewise. <laughs> thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Flo. And if you get a moment, could you please like, follow, or subscribe on your podcast platform and follow the Crew Chats podcast on Instagram? Thank you.